Take your Bible and go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, and verse number 30. How many of you have got a Bible with you this morning? Just raise it up and wave it at me. All right, you got a Bible? Everybody, all right, everybody don't come to this church, you don't bring a Bible with you, okay? And, uh, bring one, you're going to need it, uh, either in a leatherback edition or in your pocket on your phone or something, all right? So uh, bring your Bible. That's our book, and we need that. We're going to talk about uh, the Bible in just a moment. I'm going to read my text, and then Jack Siler is going to come and give us a word about the Gideons. And when you leave this service, there'll be somebody at every door, and we can give uh, and share the Word of God around the world with Gideons International. We'll tell you more about that in minutes to come. John, thir- uh, John 19. Verse 30, this is Palm Sunday. Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. They've nailed him to a cross. And we find the greatest single word ever uttered, ever spoken in verse 30. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said to Telestai, one word, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The Bible gives us the gospel, and the Bible is so very important that we need to share it with the world. Gideon's International does that. Jack Siler, one of our deacons here coming to share with us, make an appeal to our heart and soul this morning. Brother Jack, you come. Share your heart with us. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate the time this morning. Acts 15, 4 says they were received of the church and declared all things that God had done with them. On the basis of that scripture, I'd like to tell you all just a little bit about who the Gideons are, what it is that we do, and about some of the ways that God has blessed His Word placed by this extended arm of our very own church. The men who wear this Gideon emblem upon their lapel are business or professional men who believe the Bible to be the inspired and errant Word of our Lord. Each of us have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and we attempt to follow Him in our everyday lives. We're all members in good standing of local evangelical churches. Again, our one purpose is to win the lost to a saving knowledge of Christ. And the Scriptures point the way to do this through personal witnessing and through the placing of God's Holy Word. With regard to witnessing, we look in the Scriptures where Acts 1-8 says, Ye shall be witnesses unto me unto the uttermost parts of the earth. We personally try to reach others for Christ every day in our business contacts, church services, jail services, mission services, any avenue through which we can show an individual that God loves him. By example, we encourage him to accept the fact that Christ died for him as an individual because salvation, as we know, is an individual matter. With regard to placing God's holy word, we again refer to the scriptures. Isaiah 55, 11, it's where God says, My word shall not return unto me void, but it shall prosper in the thing whereto he send it. Armed with that scriptural backing since 1908, The Gideons International have placed over 2.5 billion copies of Bibles and Testaments in over 200 different countries around the world and printed in more than 100 different languages and dialects. The harvest of souls from that effort is phenomenal. Every month we receive thousands of letters from people all over this world testifying and rejoicing in the saving of souls, the changing of lives, and the hope being restored. I'm reminded of a testimony that came in recently, and it means a lot to me because it's about a a matter that's going on right now in our world, the Ukraine. 
Yuri was in the hospital bed of a Ukraine hospital there. He was crying. His heart was broken because the doctors had just left the room and told him that he would soon die because of years of alcohol and drug abuse. Just then there was a knock on the door. A Ukrainian getting opened the door, looked at him, saw him, and said, You don't look well. This book can help you. You should read it. Yuri did read that book. It was a Russian text, Russian language, Ukrainian hospital testament. He found out about God's plan for his life. He asked Jesus into his heart, and he became saved. And in his letter, he said, I felt better immediately. And as a few days went by, the nurses and the staff of the hospital and the doctors who had predicted he would die in a few days were absolutely amazed at his recovery. In fact, they called him a true healing miracle. And when they released him from the hospital, it wasn't long after he met and married a young woman. This is hard to believe right here. She was saved in the very same hospital, reading a hospital testament just like he did. There are no accidents in this world. That's a God wink, I think. They joined a local church and began to work and share with people around them that God was alive and well. It could have a magnificent impact on their lives. Now, I don't know where Yuri and his wife are right now. I don't know what's going on. We haven't heard from him for obvious reasons. But I do know what's going on in the country of Ukraine. There's death, destruction, displacement, maiming. It's just unbelievable. And the people that are fortunate enough to get out of that horror of a war did so with very little more than the clothes on their back. These people are lost. They're concerned. They're worried. They left, many of them have lost everything in the world they had. They don't know about their families. A portion of the part of the families are still alive in the Ukraine. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They just feel un un just shaken, just shaken. And they, they don't know what's, what's happening. They feel like they're little boats, if you can imagine this scene, boats without anchors adrift in an angry sea. They need an anchor to hold on to. Well, God's Word is just the anchor they need because God word, God's Word is an anchor that will always hold. Amen? Amen. Well, we're so happy to be able to talk to these people and send Bibles over to them. By the way, you may not be aware of this, but there are over five different languages that are taught and spoken in the Ukraine. Russian, Ukrainian, Polish... Hungarian, Romanian, and then there's five other dialects that are used that I can't even pronounce. However, the Gideons have translated the Bible into all those languages for these people. Sean Pillay stood right here in this podium two weeks ago, and he gave us a one-sentence definition about who Olive Baptist Church is. You remember that? He said, Olive Baptist is a local church with a global reach. What does that mean? That means we have what it takes to make a difference in this world. Right now, the global reach requires us to stretch a little bit and provide anchors, anchors like this, for all these people that couldn't get out in time, that, that got out and, and barely made it with just the skin on their teeth, or their teeth, by, by the skin of the teeth, excuse me. 
Now, I want to, one thing I want to mention, Proverbs 3.27 says, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due. This morning as we leave the sanctuary, there will be folks at each door ready to accept whatever offerings the Lord will play on your heart to give. And I pray that the Lord will bless the gift and the giver today. And one thing I want to mention, each of these Bibles, full Bibles, only cost $5. The New Testaments with Psalms and Proverbs are only $1.20. That is a very, very nominal amount. But they need us today. Thank you very much. God bless you. Oh, and by the way, if you came unprepared to give, these little uh, folders that you might have seen have an envelope in the back, a tear-off envelope that are pre-addressed. You can send your money for this wonderful cause by mail. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Jack. When you leave this service shortly, you'll be somebody at every door, and you can give, or as he said, use that uh, handout and give later. But today is the time to do that. Palm Sunday, Jesus coming into Jerusalem. They waved those palm branches, laid them at his feet. Pilate would condemn him. The soldiers nailed him to the cross. And as he was there, he spoke some words. J. Oswald Sanders says, the greatest single word ever uttered, and I've stolen that phrase, is my sermon title today. The greatest single word ever spoken. When they stretched him out on that cross, that's why that was placed in this room when we built it, is because the cross is our message. It is an evangelistic message with Jesus dying on that center cross, a malefactor, a thief on either side, one in a shaft of light, the revelation received the other in shadowy darkness who died lost, one going to heaven, one going to hell. And as Jesus was crucified, he said one word, tetelestai. The word is teleos, and its root, complete. Tetelestai then gives us this phrase that we use in three words. It is finished. And after these had moistened his lips with sour wine, Jesus spoke this one word, and it thundered through the corridors of heaven and hell alike. It caused angels to rejoice and demons to tremble. Tetelestai, it is finished. That word is found in archaeology all over that first century Israel. Oh, archaeology gives us a lot of great things. Oh, if we could dig underneath that dome of the rock, oh my soul, what we'd find. <laughs> One day someone will but archaeology is overturned, and we find this word, tetelestai. It was a common word. It was a word used by servants when the boss would give them a job to do, and after they had completed it, they would come back with just one word, tetelestai. We're done. It's complete. In art, 
It was used when the artist would paint or draw, and it was finished. It was perfect. Nothing else needed to be added. They would come and present the art and say, Tetelestai, it is done. The priests would use this word when people on this Passover season would bring a lamb. They would examine the lamb. It had to be unblemished. And when the priest found the lamb to be unblemished, he would say, Tetelestai, it is complete. One author I read this week said, no doubt, the hour that Jesus died, they were lined up by the hundreds during Passover, bringing their lambs to the priest. And as they slit their throat and the blood came flowing down with an Old Testament Levitical sacrifice, there was the Lamb of God hanging on a cross on Calvary at Golgotha, and he spoke that word to Telestai. All that need be done had been done. Jesus was slain. It is finished. And then there was that that is found in archaeology more than any other is the banking notes that the, the papyrus, the pieces of uh, paper, uh, lambskin, paper for us, that would find this word again and again to tell us that it was when someone had a debt and had been paid in full. They just wrote one word across it, to tell us that. Archaeologists find this again and again. It's like when you've got a uh, debt on your house and you've paid year after year after year after year after year and finally you're done. They wrote and they write paid in full. They could write to tell us that. You've just started on your home payment, 30 years maybe. You think, my soul, I'll never get there. Take heart. I've been here my 32nd year. And last year, we paid our house off. Glory to God. Uh, I got that note, and I took it, and I took a magic marker, and I wrote, it is finished right there. To tell us that. Done. Complete. It's the word that Jesus uses. It's in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17 where we find in him we have redemption. That is it. It is redeemed. It is paid in full. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. He said it to the church in Colossae in Colossians chapter 1 verse 14 in whom we have, there's that word again, redemption paid in full, the forgiveness of sin. All that need be done to pay your sin debt, to cancel your debt. And I'm telling you, you've got a debt you cannot pay. It cost you too much and only the blood of Jesus. And when he died, he said, it's finished, paid in full. Hallelujah. He said, the picture's been painted. It's done, complete, paid in full. He came to do what the Father had sent him to do, and he said, the task is done. It's complete. To tell us that I've come to redeem. And he did. To tell us that. What does that mean? How does that apply to our lives? I want to give you three applications of to tell us that. Uh, look with me uh, for those applications in Hebrews chapter 9. Just take your Bible. You said you had one. So uh, take it. And turn to Hebrews 
chapter 9, and we will look together, beginning in verse 11. Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse 11. The Bible says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation. And not through the blood of goats and calves and through his own blood, he entered the holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. There's our word again, that banking term where he paid it in full. For if the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer sprinkled those who have been defiled, sanctified for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more, glory to God, will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. What does to tell us now? What does it is finished? What's this word? What's it mean to you and mean for me? Three applications. Number one, your eternity is secure. Notice verse 12 says, that through, not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered that holy place once and for all. You are secure. Friend, when Jesus died for you, he secured your return. Now listen to me, everybody, listen. Quit sending your text and look right here. Listen. When you've lived long enough, you will die. And you either will land in heaven or hell. It is according to the blood of the Lamb. If you've said yes, your eternity is secure. If you have rejected, depart from me, I never knew you. It's like those two thieves, those two malefactors, this one in the shadow, lost and did not believe. The one on the right, oh Lord, remember me today. And Jesus said, Today, glory to God, you'll be with me in paradise. Eternity will come. Sports news ran across the wires this week. A quarterback from Ohio State, but in his 20s, we're playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers down in South Florida. It went all across the world, his news, he had died if I remember correctly, 24 or 25 years old. You know not when that time's coming. There's a dear lady in our church, been a nurse for many years, shared a story with me. She said, Pastor, I was just a young lady working in a small hospital, just myself, and, and the attending nurse, the head nurse was on, and just the two of us, there were a few patients in this small hospital, but they said there was a man mid-90s and he was on deathbed and we were watching him uh, through the evening and the nurse said, we don't know how long he'll make it, but he doesn't have long and said, be very careful because he's a wicked and a vile man. He's been immoral all his life. God bless. That nurse shared the story with me. She said, I went in late that evening and I noticed he had not been uh, saying anything not roused up. He's just almost like in a coma. But she said, as I was in that room, he shuffled, and tried to raise up and opened his eyes. And said he screamed three times. And he said, don't shut the door. 
Don't shut the door. Don't shut the door. And he closed his eyes. And he died. I thought of the ark. Well, there must have those been beaten on the ark saying, please don't shut the door, let me in. Pastor, what do you think happened there? I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know. I'm not angelic. No amens, please. <laughs> but it sounded to me like he had gotten to the gate and the door had been closed. Let me tell you, the blood of the Lamb opens the way, and if you will walk in it, your eternity is secure. It's not by what you do, it's by what he did. It is finished to tell us die. But if you say no, I'm telling you, your eternity is fixed as well, and hell will be your home. What does to tell us die do? Your eternity is secure. Secondly, I want you to know that your guilt is erased. Verse 14 says. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works? Some of you said, Preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the blood of the Lamb. Some people, I'll try to share with them, and they'll say to me, you know, Pastor, I, I, I could believe God would do that, but I just can't forgive myself. Oh, dear friend, it's not about you forgiving yourself. It's about God forgiving you. And when God forgives you, you should forgive you. Your guilt has been erased. Some of you say, oh, you just don't know what I've done. Let me tell you, if you knew what I know about me, you would never come hear me preach again. Hmm. And if I knew about you what only you know, I wouldn't let you in the door. But thank God it's not about us. And praise His name. You are not God. I am not God. But He through grace has said, I will erase your sin, cast as far as the east is from the west, hide it behind my back, and I will remember it every seven years. No more. No more. No more. This, this word, let me tell you, somebody's fixing to stand up and shout when I tell you this. This word to die is a perfect indicative passive. Woo! It's a perfect tense. What's that mean? It's perfect. Not present. Not just finished for right now. It is perfect. It is complete in the past. The perfect tense covers the past and the results continue forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Glory be unto his name. And it's indicative and it is passive in action. That is, you can't do anything to get it. God does all of it for us. Thanks be unto God. He's erased my guilt and he's erased yours. Glory, glory, glory. Somebody has saved me. Amen. My eternity is secure. My guilt is erased. And thirdly, your ministry is secure and supernatural. 
He said, well, preacher, I don't have, oh, yeah, if you're saved, you've got ministry. You do. We all do. Look, look at it right here in, in verse number 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God and cleanse your conscience from your dead works to serve the living God? Friend, if you're saved, you're to serve God. Now, if you're saved and a soccer player, you're to serve God. Whether it's in Pensacola, Clearwater, where this young man's from, I sent your pastor a note this week, and Brother Willie said, God bless you, and he'd be praying for you as you go off to Nepal. You have a ministry. You say, oh, preacher, you have ministry. Well, I do, but I, I have a ministry outside of this. I got a ministry just like you out in the street. So I'm getting my hair cut this week, and a young man, he's talking to me, and he said, he said, well, hey, Pastor, you look a little different. You got that fuzz on your face. By the way, I, I got a text from Eastern Europe after the first service. A friend of mine in Eastern Europe said, your beard makes you look older, but your shoes make you look younger, so keep going. <laughs> That's what they said. So that young man, we were talking, and uh, he he said, my wife's pregnant. We're going to have a baby in November. I said, well, congratulations. He said, you know, on the weekend, we, we have a lot. I said, we like to go. He was talking about being on the boat. I said, what do you do? And he said, well, sometimes we'll go down, put the boat in, and go around, and we'll have lunch over in Gulf Shores or Gulf Breeze or something. We just drive, you know, on the boat. He said, sometimes we don't put the boat in. We just get up and decide, we got a favorite restaurant in New Orleans. We'll just get up early. We'll just drive to New Orleans for lunch on Sunday. I said, you do realize all that's about to quit, don't you? I said, come December, you're not going to New Orleans for breakfast. He said, yes, sir. And I pulled out a gospel track, and I said, let me tell you what you ought to do on Sunday. I said, you ought to pack up that little baby boy or girl and bring them down to Olive Baptist Church so we can tell you about Jesus that died for you and died for the baby. And he said, you know, Pastor, my wife and I have been talking about that. We've been saying, when this little one comes, you know, we, we need to think about that. I said, you need to think about it before that little one comes, but yes, you, you bring that baby. See, friend, I've got a ministry outside of this pulpit, just like you've got a ministry. Matter of fact, Paul said in 2 Corinthians to us, therefore, we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ. It's as if God was making an appeal through us, and we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled unto God. See, God's in you. He, he lives in you, and you're His ambassador, and, and it's like God is through you making an appeal and begging others to come to faith in Christ. That's what these young men will do in Nepal. They'll extend the gospel. It's what you do where you live. It's where you go to school. You you. Send the Gospels where you work, and you make the appeal as God says. There's a man from Tennessee visits from here from time to time. He came by this morning, handed me, palmed me. I knew what he's giving me. Every time he's here, he hands me a $100 bill. He said, go bless somebody with that. So I stick in my pocket, and I'll, I'll use it. Give a tract and tip somebody $100, or just since I need to share it with them, give it. Always when I use that illustration, somebody will come up to me afterwards and say, Pastor, could I be that one? No, you can't ask for it. The Holy Ghost tell me who to give it to. Matter of fact, if you ask for it, you'll be the last one to get it. All right? 
You just use whatever means you can. You give out the gospel. See, God, it's, you say, I'm not worthy. I know you're not, nor am I. You say, well, you know, Pastor, people get saved early like you. you say, they don't have that. I said, listen, friend, we're all totally depraved. Every one of us. I was listening this week, preacher telling a story about a mother and had two children, had a young girl, and his brother's a little older, and the boy did something, and the girl got mad and cussed at him and then hit him with a broomstick. And the mother said, you shouldn't do that. Said, the devil's in you making you do that. She said, I know, mother. But said, now listen. Said, the devil made me cuss him, but it was my idea to hit him with that broomstick. I'm telling you, all right? <laughs> hey, we all have that in us, you know? It, it's, it's there. But, but God forgives, and he covers, and he forgets, and he redeems, no matter what you've done. And I'm telling you, he, he equips you. And he makes your ministry supernatural. It, if it's natural, anybody could do it. It's the touch and call of God. Jesus died on that cross. And there were two thieves that heard him say, it is finished. Pilate heard him say, it is finished. The priests were all around. They heard him to tell us that. I can just imagine they were what in the world? The soldiers that stood by the cross heard him to tell us who is this man? Mary, his own earthly mother, heard him. John, Jesus died for Mary's sin. Now, there's some folks that will tell you Mary didn't sin. They've lied to you. Mary was God's instrument of bringing God here. But she needed a Redeemer too. She bore the Redeemer that died for her. John. John, take care of Mary. Cleopas. They heard him, and you're hearing him this morning. It is with that, God opens an invitation. He said, if you'll come, I'll forgive. Friend, I don't care who you are in that balcony. We sing this song, and I want you to get up and come and say today. Receive him. Hallelujah. Be the greatest day of your life. Be like this thief on that side, not like that thief on that side. You, you walk out of here in that dark, and you'll die and go to hell one day. Don't do that. Say, Pastor, I won't. Well, do it. God's drawing you. He's wooing you. I still think it's the greatest story I've heard about the cross. I, I've been envious. I wish I'd have thought of it. It's that Scottish preacher, Alistair Begg. Many of you have heard it, no doubt. Alistair is telling the story of the thief on the cross. He said, Jesus died, and then the thief, Jesus said, today you'll be with. He, he died and woke up at the gates of glory. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Alistair Begg says, I just wonder how all that went. 
He said, here's this guy. He's a crook. He's a thief. And he shows up at the gate. And the angel says, uh, yeah, how can I help you? He said, I've come to heaven. He said, what makes you think you can get in? He said, well, the guy on the center cross said I could come. Alistair begins to tell the story. He said, I can just imagine in my uh, thought process. This angel is there, and he's looked at it. He said, well, what, do you know what the inerrant, infallible Word of God is? He said, I don't even know what you're talking about. He said, all I can tell you is a guy on the center cross said I could get in. Hmm. He said, what do you know about the substitutionary atonement of Jesus? He said, sir, I... I I don't have a clue what you're talking about. All I know is the guy on the center cross said I could come. Alistair says, I can just imagine that the angel said, just stay right here. I've got to go get a supervisor angel for this deal right here. And he, he brings him back and, and he said, now tell me again. What He said, I'm just telling you, all I know, all I know is that dude that was on the center cross said I could come and I'm here. And he said, you'd let me in. Let me tell you, friend, when you get to glory, all that matters is what the man on the center cross said. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He'll teach you all about the plenary verbal inspiration of Scripture if you live. He'll teach you. I can imagine he has. He said, you've been baptized? He said, no, I, man, I just got off a cross. <laughs> if you get saved, you ought to be baptized. Unless you die immediately, then you'll be all right. We'll teach you about the substitutionary. You need to know what that means. But if, friend, if you don't, I'm telling you, you can know all of that in your head and miss the gate. If you've not heard him say, whosoever will, let him come. Man, I wish I'd have thought of that illustration. Bellister Begg had been quoting me when he did it. But I'd have just been prideful. I'm just grateful the man on the center cross said I could come. And he invites you today. Some of you need to join this church. You're out on the outside and you need to come on the circumference and come inside and be a part. You, you need to come. Some of you are outside of the faith today and you need to come and be a part. Some of you are not believing. You say, preacher, I believe today. I want to confess. I come. I, I ask the Lord to come into my life. Will, will he really forgive? Yes, he'll forgive you. He'll wash you white as snow. Redemption. It is finished. Say that word, that one word with me that we've been talking about. It's a little funny. Tetelestai. Just say it out loud. One more time. It is finished. The Old Testament covenant finished. New covenant has come. The old sacrificial system is a friend, there are no sacrifices to give. We're not killing any lambs today. The lamb that need die has already died. It's finished. All the ordinance of man. The Old Testament said you couldn't eat pork. You can eat pork now. You shouldn't, but you can. Not telling you it's good for you. I'm just telling you that's not the way to heaven. It's not the keeping of the law. It's the coming to grace. It's finished. 
It's finished. And he's opened a new and a living way and a new covenant that he writes on your heart. And he makes all things new.